Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. E-S-N-Y. It is the Bleacher Creatures episode number 152, brought to you as always by Crossing Broad, XL Media, Elite Sports NY, the voice, the pulse of New York City sports, Warwick Gaming, and as always, Rivercrest NYC. Uh, man, we got a full house. Today. This is pretty much the Bleacher Creatures Christmas special. We got Mets fan Matt Musico. We got Philadelphia's own Kevin Kincaid here in the house. Uh, welcome, guys. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. What's up, brother? Am I? I'm on a Yankees podcast. How did this happen? Uh, you know what? It's the off season. The Yankees don't really have much else to do until they trade for a left fielder. So Alec and I decided we're going to talk some national stuff because, especially in this part of the country, because Matt's in Connecticut, uh, Alec and Kevin, you guys are both in Philly. I'm here in New York. We uh, we've got a lot of activity in our respective divisions. No, you know what? You know, we're going to come out blazing right now. Matt, we've got to uh, have a little kangaroo court here because uh, okay. uh, you're here representing the Mets. We are going to put, bring you up on charges of falsely impersonating a Steinbrenner, falsely <laughs> capturing the Yankee swagger, uh, all of a sudden getting an owner out of nowhere thinking that you are more than simply just the Mets. Uh, all right, you know what? How are you feeling here uh, as a Mets fan with uh, all of a sudden money being spent? Well, I'm just sensing a twinge of jealousy, so I'll, I'm okay with all those charges. <laughs> wow, all right. <laughs> no, I mean, it's uh, it's something that if you told me this was going to be happening five years ago, it would have laughed in your face. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mets fans have been waiting for something like this, Not maybe not to this level, but just any kind of legitimate investment into the roster. You could tell that an owner actually cares and wants to win. You know, they've been waiting for that for a long time, and the Wilpons have always been you know, kind of a pain and it became more of a pain after the Bernie Madoff uh, scandal and things like that. So to have this complete 180, it feels like the Wilpons owned the Mets like 20 years ago, not two years ago. So it's been really eye-opening. And every time something happens, I have to like pinch myself. I'm like, this is actually happening. They actually signed Justin Verlander. They, you know, they've spent $500 million so far this free agency and they're not done yet. Like all this kind of stuff is just pretty ridiculous. Kevin, you'll get a kick out of this story as uh, some token New York elitism. My my parents, for years, frequented a restaurant that Fred Wilpon would often go to with uh, with his family, his wife, girlfriend, whatever. Was it McDonald's? Now, <laughs> no, this was a... <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, my, my, as if my parents would ever be caught dead in the McDonald's. That, that's another story entirely. <laughs> but get this. There was this little table off to the side, kind of like a, lo- a little booth on a riser. A little sort of like small round table that you could fit four, maybe five people at the parents go down there one night. It's them. Another couple just sitting at that table, sitting nice and quietly. Wilpon walks in, notices them at the table, whispers something to the manager. He comes over, 
and says, Mr. Wilpon says you're sitting at his table. We'd like to buy you a round of drinks to move. My stepfather said, no, we were here first. Went back and relayed it to Wilpon, turned around, walked out of the restaurant. <laughs> well, there you go. They're normal people just like us, you know, we can uh, relate to you know, all the money and privilege and all that stuff. You know, what's funny is that the Mets, the Phillies and the Yankees, I think, have the top three payrolls next year, don't they? Yeah, as of now, they do, because the Dodgers yeah. really aren't spending and like the Red Sox. All, oh, God, there was an article from Ken Rosenthal in The Athletic today about how their whole plan is essentially blowing up in their face because they brought in that guy, Kyan Bloom, to be the GM, essentially to rebuild the minor league system, but also keep the team competitive. And he came from the race, so he's like not going to offer these decades long contracts because like because ownership, it turns out in Boston dictates the the length of the terms. The GM only weighs in accordingly. Yeah. So now he's trying to rebuild this minor league system and feel a competitive team and you know failing miserably at it because like 37 year old Justin Turner is going to play first base. But all this to say, yes, the Yankees, Mets, and the Phillies, top three payrolls in baseball. And the Phillies got there because you got Bryce Harper on the books, Zach Wheeler's contract. And then he gave $300 million to Alex's favorite, Trey Turner. Yeah, yeah. I think it's funny, man. I don't know how much you guys are aware of this, you know, it, people in other markets when the Bryce Harper signing was going on. But, you know, at that point, the Phillies had been absolute dreck for almost yeah. 10 years at that point. And uh, it was seen as like a referendum on the franchise and ownership, whether they were serious or not, if they, they had to go out and get one of Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. And I remember it was like the summer or it was the winter, I guess. Yeah. Of Harper, Machado, Harper, Machado. I think I wrote like a hundred stories about like Harper and Machado. It was stupid, dumbass rumor that John Heyman or John Morosi or who are Rosenthal, anybody would tweet like a tidbit about it. We throw it up on the site and people would go crazy for it because they were just, they, they, they knew it's like, you got to like, we joke about all these people spending all this money, but. It's a league without a salary cap, man. And it's not our money. So it's like, if you want to be serious and you want to be a competitor, win. So they go out and they spend all this money for Bryce Harper, you know, and they go out and sign Zach Wheeler. And, you know, they go out and get Castellanos. They go get Schwarber. Look where they end up. They end up in the World Series. So if anything, I mean, they they were, it was it proved that that's the right thing to do. You know what I mean? They went over the threshold, spent all this money, and John Middleton was rewarded for it. And, you know, comes comes back and signs Trey Turner. You know, what I mean, so I like if anything, it was all these people were calling for it. Hey, you got to spend. You got to spend. Are you going to be serious? And hey, they're spending, and and that's and that's it's like a you know you know what I'm saying, man. It's like a cascade effect. It's like one thing precedes the other. Like Harper was him dipping his toe in the water. It's like oh, you know, we pay for good players. We're going to be good. Holy shit, who knew? You know, and so it's like <laughs> you know one thing on top of another. Now you're looking at a team that was up two to one in the World Series and somehow got a uh, no hit by Christian Javier and a couple other dudes that I can't remember, you know? So Christian Javier is so infuriating because he, he's such a, his, his thing is that he spins the fastball <laughs> to the point where haters can't see it. Yeah. Like the, it's, it's not even, he's not even throwing that quickly. He's topping out maybe 94 on a good day. And yeah. he's just, he's got these long fingers. So the hitters just can't see the ball. He no hit the Yankees this year too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By the way, can we just talk about that real quick? How do you go from hitting five home runs in game four or game three of the World Series or whatever to not registering a single hit in the next game? It was the, it was the most Phillies thing of all time because that lineup was just put together to swing for the fences. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it just shows the feast feast or, or, or famine of just what, what that lineup was, was set up to do. Well, 
it's also like we've talked on the podcast before. Say each one of the Astros about about them being cheaters, unlikable, this, that, or the other. The years since 2017 have shown that above all else, the Houston Astros, they know how to develop young pitchers. Yeah. They've mastered the idea of spin rate. They revived Justin Verlander's career to the point where now Matt's Mets are paying him $40 million a year. I mean, like Matt, like five, five years ago, someone tells you, hey, the Mets are going to sign Justin Verlander at 39 years old. He'll have just had a career season, like one of the most historically great seasons in baseball history. And you're going to give him over 40 million a year. <laughs> I I would be like, who are you talking about again? Um, I mean, the Mets are employing two of them to and paying two of them forty million dollars each to pitch. So it's like, uh, yeah, it's just it's it's insanity. I mean, let, let, let's ask. Here's a question for the room right here. Looking at Verlander and Max Scherzer, you look at them and just what they do on the mound. Max Scherzer, he's kind of like his generation's Nolan Ryan but he doesn't walk anybody. He's got better control and he throws more than just two pitches. Justin Verlander is just a monster. It's kind of, now you, now you understand why guys are dad's age marveled at the likes of Steve Carlton, of Tom Seaver, like that whole generation of pitchers. Hmm. And pitching only gets better. Generation by generation, they're discovering. Yeah, yeah it's interesting, man, because like, you know, even when the Phillies were like really, really good 10 years ago, it's like you like had like Halliday had that one pitch that you knew, right? Yeah. And Cliff Lee had that one pitch that you knew. You know, and this guy that the Mets just signed, Senga, throws yeah. this like what do they call him? Like a ghost fork ball. Ghost fork, yeah. <laughs> they show a side by side of him throwing his fastball and him throwing this fork thing. And they hover at the same exact trajectory. Then one just drops and the other stays straight, you know. But it's like it was just funny watching the World Series because I don't know, it was kind of a referendum on, like, this idea of, like, hey, we're just going to hit for power and we're going to swing for the fences every time versus, you know, trying to play small ball and trying to just hit for average and put the put the ball in play. You know, it's like maybe Trey Turner helps with that a little bit with the Phillies. But, um, I mean, it was just – I think it was like that. It was just like like baseball with, with a lot of these lineups and that approach. It's like high highs, you know, when they're on, but then incredibly low lows. You know, because yeah. when you're when you, when these lineups when these power lineups aren't hitting, then what? You know, I mean, there, was, for, there was no plan B for them. You know, I think that's that was the frustrating thing about the World Series. It was like they were either going to be on or or they weren't. That's my biggest takeaway from. The I mean, series. Kevin, you you just hit the nail on the head. Why? Yeah. Like I I pointed out even during the World Series, like yeah, the Astros won the World Series. This was still easily their weakest team from mm-hmm. a hitting standpoint since 2017. Okay, you had. Uh, the guys up top, you had Brantley. Or no, Brantley didn't even play. What am I saying? You had Jeremy Pena. You had Jose Altuve, the usual big guns like yeah. Kyle Tucker, who's just phenomenal on its own. But out, outside the top four after that, it's a crapshoot. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. That, and now that Justin Verlander has gone, that team loses a lot of its teeth. Now, Matt, like this little pivot right here, Jacob deGrom goes to the Rangers, who are probably going to be a pretty big competition for <laughs> the Astros next year. Uh, Degrom, five years. How do Mets fans really feel about him being gone? Um, well, I think there there's a faction of them that still get a little weepy whenever they hear "Simple Man" when they're at the bar. Yeah, that's the you know that's the song that he came out to. But yeah. I mean, I think you know, lots of Mets fans after seeing the terms of the contract, they, everyone kind of gets it. You know, like 
for the, the past couple of years, DeGrom kept on saying, well, it'd be really cool to be a lifetime Met. Even right after he said he was going to opt out, the ne- in the next breath yeah. he said, it would still be cool to be a lifetime Met or to stay with one team for my whole career. Right. So I think that's where like the rug kind of got pulled out from uh, from a lot of the fan from the fans' perspective, because everyone's kind of like thinking, okay, like he's still going to get paid. I mean, I think the offer was somewhere between like 110, 120 million dollars for three years. Three years, 120 is what they offered him. Yeah, so it's like it's not like it was an uh, outrageous underpay. Uh, it's not like a Xander Bogarts and Boston Red Sox situation, you know? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Um, they didn't what a disaster. Like, it, the, the Rangers were just the only team willing to go to that length because they're desperate enough to get him to lead the starting staff. So and it's like, in, at the end of the day, who's going to really fault him for taking $185 million and maybe $222 million if he gets that, that option? Too? That's the thing, though. I don't necessarily think it was desperation by the Rangers because the if you look at the Rangers last year, they're a better team than people realize. They were, I think, 8th and 12th, respectively, in runs scored and home runs. So you know they hit. They've got the hitting core. they got Marcus Simeon. They got Corey Seager. They got Adolis Garcia. They got Jonah Heim, who's an like, underrated hitting catcher. And then, therefore, they're kind of in a position where they can afford to take risks on the pitching staff and have, and have DeGrom be the leader of the staff and then just develop all these other young arms and try to outslug the competition along the rest of the way. So, in theory, DeGrom really only needs to make about 20-ish starts a year for the Rangers for that contract to be worth it, so long as the bats get it together and reverse last year and draw more walks, strike out less. Plus, Bruce Bochy's going to do wonders for that team. Yeah, it could be like a Buck Schulter effect on the Mets. I think this probably... 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, teams that are willing to pay, it's funny because it's like, you know, teams that are in contention, what are you willing to pay? The answer is whatever it takes. I mean, the Phillies paid Taiwan Walker for four years, 72 million, you know? Yeah. To, that, that, that's more number four, you know? But, yeah. That that's good considering he wants to be a number four, but it's, it's yeah. astonishing how overpriced the second tier pitching market was this year. It is. Yeah. I mean, and that was just a product of it, but I think that's just another example of Middleton under understanding that like, Hey man, if you want to play, if you want to take the next logical step and get back to the World Series and win the World Series, this is the reality of the situation, you know. Like yeah. you're all in now, man. I mean, you got both feet in this, you know. You can't you can't cheap your way out of it now. You can't bullshit your way out of it now. And I give I give them, I give the Phillies credit for recognizing that because you've come too far to. What, what's the what's the alternative? You're just going to be like, oh, we're going to roll out the same. You know, ro- roll out Nola, Wheeler, Suarez, and hope that hope that this prospect painter comes up and he's really good. Like, no, I mean, like, yeah. like go for it, you know. So I give yeah. I give him credit for that. I mean, like Alec, you were really excited when Trey Turner came uh, came to Philly, and I just want to I want to touch on this as well because Turner's a Florida man, but his wife's from Flemington, New Jersey, and the Phillies. I mean, going back to Cliff Lee when he kind of engages them as the mystery team in free agency, players want to come to Philly. They want to live in the area. I mean, it. It's kind of like they're part of the neighborhood almost, or just like being in the area, almost like the Buffalo Bills. How like the Bills, like the players, they actually like living there. Yeah, I mean, like it's for guys like Harper, for guys like Turner, you know, they have that luxury where they can live across the river in Jersey and then just right. make that short commute over. Um, but it is slept on a little bit, just how passionate this fan base is and how easy it is for you know philadelphia as a city in general to get behind a player a team during whatever run so we always talk about you know boston new york all the really big market teams and 
as it was kind of mentioned earlier, the last 10 years, the Phillies were kind of non factors in, in the league. And then all of a sudden they're, they're up on the up and coming again. And yeah, why, I, why wouldn't a team or player want to, you know, circle that the city and just be like, I want to go play there. Especially when you got a guy like Bryce Harper, like leading that clubhouse and actually bringing some swagger and fun back to Philadelphia baseball. I mean, I say that as a Yankee fan, but living here has been an absolute blast. And I got to be honest, I probably had more fun at Phillies games than I do at, at Yankee games. Let me make two points piggybacking off of that. First of all, Bryce Harper is probably the best GM in baseball right now. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> and I'm not, that's not even a joke. Like, I no. really truly believe that, you know, but I mean, yeah. you landed that one person who wanted to be here and spoke highly of the atmosphere and the fans. And obviously he was in the division, so he saw it firsthand. Um, even when the fills were shitty, you know, the fans were passionate and they were, yeah. they were, you know, into it, you know, and, but think of the players who have come through since then that he's had a hand in, he openly campaigned for JT Real Muto. He mm -hmm. openly campaigned for Trey Turner, you know, um, his addition paved the way for the signings of guys like Zach Wheeler and Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos, even if he wasn't, even if he didn't go on Instagram and say, Hey, we should sign this guy. You know what I mean? Right. But, but he's, he was the, the uh, cat catalyst really for that, you know, is the word I'm looking for, I guess. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because crossing broad back in the day when it was founded in 2009 really was probably a Phillies blog. You could call it a Phillies blog because most of what Kyle Scott wrote back then was a lot of Cliff Lee, Roy Halladay, you know, that, that was like the height of, Jimmy Rollins and Chase Utley and all that, they were coming off the World Series, right? So when we got Hey, hey, to, hey remind, remind us, who won that World Series? Yeah, well, we don't have... That's neither here nor there. But, um, <laughs> I think it's talking about 2008 anyway, so... Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So when we got to, uh, you know, the World Series this year, um, look, I mean, we just... We didn't do a ton of Philly stuff, as much Philly stuff as we were doing on the site, frankly, because they just weren't very good. You know, they were going through Pete McCannon and Ryan Sandberg and Gabe Kapler and all this stuff. And, you know, then they turned that corner hard with Rob Thompson. And the month that they were in the World Series was the best traffic month that Crossing Broad has ever had, ever, in the site's 13-year history. Bigger than the Super Bowl and the Super really? Bowl parade and all that stuff. Yeah, it was so it was just proof to me, I think, that the Phillies fan base is massive and they've always been there and it will always be a baseball town. I just think that they were like dormant, man, because there wasn't anything for them to, to cheer for. You know what I mean? But I, I, I was me, me and me and Kyle Pagan were probably worked like 30 days straight during the world series. And, you know, we, uh, Anthony San Filippo and Bob Wankel will be down at the games. They had credentials for the games and I would, you know, be, I mean, I'd get like one or two posts up during the game and then I just sit there and I'd rip off like bang, bang, bang. There's like three viral things that would happen after every game. Like, um, you know, Verlander flipping somebody the bird or whatever, you know, and then Kate yeah. Upton's doing the double birds or whatever. There's 10,000 clicks right there. I mean, it was like, it was so ridiculous how, how dialed in everybody was to it. That when the world series was over, everybody, it's like everybody came off this, like, like cocaine binge or something like that. Yeah. It needed like a, like a week to like, decompress like the flyers didn't even exist the sixers didn't even exist the eagles were still undefeated at that point but we've never yeah i mean that we, we've never done more traffic than than when the phillies were in the world series it also needs to be remembered like we're not that you know we're how many years removed from like the failed scott kingery project and like there's really dark times of <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. 
where the team looked like it was dead in the water. That not only was the future or the present just bleak, but the future was equal. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we don't like to talk about the Matt Clintech years. <laughs> no, and they were like, it's funny, man, because they were like, you, you think of some of those names that played for the Phillies from like 2014 to 2018. You know, you could, it's like the, we make jokes about the process, 76ers, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> pulling, out, pulling out names like Jarvis Varnado and like Hollis Thompson and these, you know, random Turkish dudes that played for him back then. That's what it felt like with the, with the Phillies. Like they had some players who were just like, you know, like Freddie Galvis and Cesar Hernandez. And, and it was just like, those players aren't going to win you games. They're not going to lose you games, but they're not going to win you games either. You know, so just you felt like you were in purgatory for a little bit until yeah. they, you know, again, so they started spending money. And spend money they have. Yeah. Yeah. The cigar money. John Middleton's cigar money. You know, so. Is he a cigar guy? Yeah. It's the family fortune is cigars or whatever. So, you know, money is money, though. You know, we're all we're all compromised in some way, I think. So there's I swear, like this this offseason like has been so out of this world that there's probably gonna be some sort of HBO made for TV movie about this. <laughs> Yeah, like because I'm uh, we had Ken Singleton on the, on the show a few a few uh, months a few weeks ago. I'm friends with his son Dante, and Dante's a big film and TV guy. And so we legit kind of did like a soft casting for an HBO special of this movie. We're about to stop you guys. There we go. Giovanni Ribisi is Brian Cashman. <laughs> Joseph Gordon Levitt is Aaron Boone. <laughs> Steve Carell is Randy Levine. Michael Imperioli is Mike Francesa. What? Very good. <laughs> Aziz, Aziz Ansari is Farhan Zaidi, the Giants president. There you go. Last but not least, my personal favorite, Jason Bateman is Hal Steinbrenner. It's <laughs> pretty good. Oh, la, la, last one, uh, Michael Keaton is Scott Boris. I was just going to ask who plays Scott Boris. By the way, does it annoy you guys when uh, a, a, you know one of his clients signs a big contract and then they do the introductory press conference and boris is sitting up there with them <laughs> at the at the dais or whatever honestly i've gotten so used to seeing him there that i kind of stopped noticing it doesn't phase you at all but here let me ask the question this way all right have you ever seen drew rosenhaus would you ever imagine drew rosenhaus sitting up there next to joe shane or something no probably not yeah yeah i mean like it seems ridiculous when you take that and you you know extrapolate or you know put it into other sports or whatever you know i can't name you a hockey agent but what if like you know uh henrik lundquist agent was sitting there <laughs> next to him when he did his like introductory play it's just like i don't know i guess we're not we're conditioned to think it's not a big deal because we're just used to boris always always be in there you know i love when they do the winter meetings too and uh scott boris has like 40 reporters around them all like you know, which client are you going to get paid? I think he had that one year, like two years ago, where his clients made like $900 million or something. Like uh, they've made over a billion this year. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, wh who was he introducing uh, Kodai Sengai or whatever his name is in, at Boston? While, uh, no, 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 uh, Boston, it's uh, Masataka Yoshida. Oh, Yoshida. Okay. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, He's just sitting there in Fenway while his other client signs with the Yankees. I know some Red Sox fans were kind of flipping out about that. Like, what are we doing? He was sitting there for the Trey Turner thing. I'm like, he got like four, we got like three or four questions at the, or no, he was sitting there for uh Taiwan Walker. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, but <laughs> you know, 
like a, a, a number four pitcher too. It wasn't like Bryce Harper. Like if you, if Bryce Harper is going to be a good signed, I get it. But like, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't uh, the, the largest signing in the world, you know? So. Well, he loves, yeah. loves the spotlight, you know, he does he loves to give sound bite too. So it's yeah. as much his achievement as it is his clients. He's yeah. Scott <laughs> Boris. He's not just an agent. He's probably baseball's biggest showman. Uh, because has anyone here ever seen um, Kevin? You probably haven't seen this. Uh, has anyone here besides me watched um, Michael K's old talk show Center Stage? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he had Boris on one year. I think it was, we'll say, sometime between 2004 and 2008. And then he's like, "Oh, I'm Alex Rodriguez's agent. I've made all these big contracts." Da da da. And he actually brought in like three crate like boxes of files that were apparently all about Alex Rodriguez. <laughs> and I'm and even there, I'm like, I'm like 20 sitting there going, but there's no way there's that many files on Alex Rodriguez. And then you realize just how much bullshit Alex was getting into for non-baseball reasons just during his time with the Yankees. You realize, okay, yeah, there's probably lots of different forms that we don't want to know about that are in those boxes. I think the thing with Boris though is like all right, he's an interesting character, he, he, or he is a character. Everybody knows who he is. Like, I think baseball needs characters in general. You know, I mean, I'll give you two Philly examples. Like, Mike Trout's the best, one of the best players to ever ever play the game. You know, sure. I couldn't tell you what the fuck Mike Trout is is doing because, like, he doesn't he doesn't market himself. He plays on the West Coast in a market where nobody watches him. He comes yeah. back to Philly to watch the Eagles. You know, he's had a chance to come back here and play if he wanted to, but you need your stars to 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 want to be stars, you know? And it's like, it's funny because um, there's a baseball um, bat maker uh, down the street from me in uh, King of Prussia, Pennsylvania called Victus. Oh, yeah. And, um, we've done a couple things with Victus in the past. Actually, I'll show you at some point here. They made a, a cool bat for me as a, as a gift. I didn't even ask them for it. It was this cool thing they made. But they tell me all about the... Um, Whenever I talk to those guys, they talk about kind of the it's not a strained relationship. They have a good relationship with Major League Baseball, but they're really, really finicky about the rules. You know, so they make a custom bat for a player and uh, they're allowed to use it during batting practice, but they can't use it during the game. Right. Because it's got you can only use certain colors. You can only use certain palettes and things like that. You know, it's like and it's been like a point of contention because these these guys want to show personality. You know, they want to you know, have like an image and they want, you know, cool things for kids to latch onto. Right. You know, so mm-hmm. it's like Bryce Harper takes the, we, the people bat and wins a home run derby with it, you know, but you know, he's right. not allowed to hit a, you know, in a game with that, you know, he can use it in batting practice. Like there's certain rules about what colors they can use. And also, so I don't know. It's just funny to me how, um, it, it how as as popular as the Phillies became again when they went back to the World Series. Imagine if you kept bringing these kids along with it by getting them into the game by just kind of lo- loosening restrictions a little bit, you know, and just like letting people be themselves and show a little bit of personality. You know, it's like the thing we, you know, complain about the the the, the most with that and with hockey or whatever. So you get these like canned quotes and stuff like that. These guys show personality and do some interesting things and use different equipment. You know, I don't, I don't know what they're. I don't really know what they're trying to protect at this point, like the sanctity of the game or something like that, I guess. But yeah, yeah. The game is the biggest lie they can tell you. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Yeah. I mean, like, as I get it, I mean, like, because just, just talking to my stepfather alone about baseball, like I try to explain to him how batting average isn't really a thing anymore. He just doesn't get it. But then when I show him, oh, no, like this is hard contact. This is 
expected batting average. Oh wow, that that's pretty cool. That's cool. awesome. Yeah, yeah. It looks like a street sign too. It's great. Yeah, they do the custom knobs and everything too. Oh, nice. They did the love park for there and uh, the last name. All right. Yeah, that's yeah. It's pretty awesome. sick though. Yeah, the guy yeah. who does the custom designs, he's got a really cool story. He was a um. He did motorcycle art and like automotive for a while. And then they brought him in to do a, to do bats. And he's like, yeah, sure. Why not? And he, he says he loves the canvas just cause it's like a continuous kind of thing, like a cylindrical, you know, you think like there's not a lot of surface area to do, to do stuff on here. I realize this is not a visual medium, but um, <laughs> you know, you think it's like, Hey, like what can, what can I fit on a baseball bat? Not a lot, but you know, you have people who have like, you know, full sleeve tattoos and and whatnot, where you can fit a lot on there, and it's like or just like goalie mass in hockey. Yeah, exactly. Where there's not a lot of surface area on that either, but people do interesting stuff with it. So yeah, I mean, like I went down to the Victus factory, and I was just like, this is cool as shit. Like this makes me like baseball and be like excited for baseball because it's new and it's fresh and it's a little like rogue roguish. You know, it's a little like in independent. I think they use like this corporate buzzword now where they use the term disruptor right like they're a disruptor in the market you know what i mean I'm like it sounds stupid but it makes sense you know because they're like you know coming in and doing things differently but yeah their stuff's pretty cool i'll have to like i'll have to send you guys his, the the bat he the guy's the bat king is his nickname he's like the nicest guy ever though but he does all this cool artwork so uh matt uh pivoting to some med stuff quick, quick little pivot here did you see recently max scherzer bought this massive house out on long island I did see that. Yeah, it was like it was like five and a half million dollar house or something like that. Yeah, five, yeah, five or six, I think, and I think in the North Fork too. Uh, like I think that's where it is. Yeah, yeah, it makes me feel like he's not going to opt out next year. But I mean, who knows? I don't think he's going to. I don't know if he's going to opt out of next year or not. But if you're going to, if you're going to buy, because give me my sister lives out in the North Fork. And not a five million dollar house by any stretch of the imagination. If his sister lived in a five million dollar house out on the North Fork, we would not be here doing this podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but you got to figure at a minimum, Max Scherzer, for all intents and purposes, he's kind of been a journeyman for, throughout his career. He was with the Diamondbacks, the Tigers, the Nationals, now the Mets, the, the Dodgers in between. Uh-huh, uh-huh. you gotta be thinking like he's thinking of retiring and probably probably sticking around maybe maybe he'll get me get an sny job i don't know yeah it'd be interesting i mean uh i can't remember where i heard him he was on another podcast i think it may have been uh him and sherman's podcast where he was talking about just his first year in new york and what he liked about it he said he fell in love with new york and everything that i had to yeah. offer and things like that so i mean clearly he liked it enough to put some roots down at least temporarily speaking i mean between what the Mets are paying him and what the Nationals are still paying him, he can afford yeah. it very, very easily. So, I mean, it's not like it's it's kind of a drop in the bucket for him. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's pretty insightful dude. I mean, I knew yeah. he already was, but then being able to watch him pitch and hear him talk to the media more often and things like that, it's been interesting to see how he perceives things. And you, know, you can see real easily how a guy like that ends up being you know one of the better pitchers of, of his generation, too. He's just Where do so the Mets players? Where do the Mets and Yankees players and like the New York athletes? Do they have like? Is there like a hot neighborhood that they all live in, or did are they all spread so, out? Throughout so the- that that's a very good question. So I fe- so I learned growing up because I I grew up on the Upper West Side of Manhattan on 81st Street. I lo- I realized by the time I was around like eight or nine, oh, 
lots of the rangers of this neighborhood because like my parents their parking garage was literally around the corner from their apartment building we'd go there we'd see mike richter picking up his car adam graves across the street walking his dog two blocks away mark messier is going for a run at one point brian leach was renting a unit in our apartment building but then you go to the yankee side currently garrett cole lives in greenwich uh as does aaron boone like out in connecticut uh bernie williams and mariano rivera i mean they're they're retired now they live in westchester uh jason giambi and jorge posada's apartment building was on the upper east side across from my high school so it's kind of spread out if we're being honest are most of the phillies in jersey yeah it's interesting they um so sorry i was googling something real quick there i have a quick a side involving the new york rangers that i want to tell you before we wrap this up um yeah well it's funny actually because um Nick Castellanos bought Ben Simmons' house mm-hmm. in uh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah, Alex laughing because he knows his story. But he he was, I mean, the joke because Castellanos was in a slump and couldn't hit for shit for a long portion of the season was that like yeah. the, the joke was that like Ben he was cursed yeah. because he bought like Ben <laughs> Ben yeah but, yeah but he came out actually later in the year, um perhaps unironically and he said like i just never got settled here because people knew where ben simmons house was we had pictures of ben simmons house on crossing broad yeah i mean we didn't like reveal the address we didn't dox anybody but the house was on the market yeah and there there was a you know we have a real estate source where where was the house again it was in morristown new jersey so fancy part of south jersey where a lot of the athletes live yeah i mean there's a a there's a morristown north jersey too yeah, it's more Morris M O O R E S. Oh, okay. It's near like uh, yeah. it's near like yeah, right. Delran, where Carly Lloyd is from, and uh, Doug yeah. Peterson lived there. Deshaun Jackson lived there. Uh, Carson Wentz did not live there. He lived way further south in like Bumble, Bumble left New Jersey. But um, that's another <laughs> that's another story for another time. But yeah, my, my, my family's from Bumble left New Jersey, so I get yeah. it. Yeah, but it was funny. Yeah, he he came out straight up and he said like, "Hey, people know where I live," and. I, you know, I, I think that contributed to him just not feeling he's like a family guy. He's like, you know, he's got he's not a complicated individual, you know, and he was just like, hey, yeah. you know, I, this is kind of weird, <laughs> kind of weird. The people know, you know, his family, too, was yeah. taking some some shtick from uh, Philly's Philly's fans, people I hesitate like to know. call Philly's fans, you know, but uh, yeah, they live yeah. either there or they live um, the younger players tend to live in Center City in these fancy high rise places where they live in an area of Pennsylvania called the Main Line. Alec, where are you again? I'm literally like right across the way from the main line. So I'm like, yeah, I'm familiar with all that. Yeah. But real quick, it's funny because you you mentioned uh, Richter. Um, Yeah. I know this is a baseball podcast, but (laughs) the only hot, the literally the only hockey uh, writing gig that I've ever done in my entire life was I, I was asked to do a stringer gig to cover the entire 1996 United States men's world cup team being inducted into the U S hockey. Hall of Fame. <laughs> and you, like you mentioned Richter and Richter was one of the guys that we talked to. Um, but let me just read the rest of the roster to you real quick here. Right. Brian, Brian Leach, Darian Hatcher, Kevin Hatcher, Chris, <laughs> Ch- Chris Chelios, Mike Madonna, John LeClaire, Tony Amonti, Bill Guerin, Brett Hull, Pat LaFontaine, Keith Kachuk, Adam Deadmarsh, uh, wow. Gary Suter, Steve Conowalchuk, Joel Otto. It's just like, I was like looking at these dudes and I'm like, you gotta be like, no, no, no wonder they were so damn good. It's like the greatest roster I've ever. I played seen. a lot 
I I played a lot of NHL when I was in high school, and I would always have Darian Hatcher on my team and get like a thousand penalty minutes a year. Yeah. It was funny because I grew up with my dad watching all these Flyers games, and like we just came to new like the Rangers as assholes, you know. It's like I'm like yeah. talking to these dudes; they're like the nicest dudes on the planet, you know. Well, my funny, funny how that Flower Town. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, yeah, you know, it's funny too because we had there were so many good Mets and Phillies stories this year. They're like in the very first series that the. Uh, Mets and the Phillies played. We had the story of the, the the Phillies fan who grabbed the Mets fan's phone and he chucked his phone onto the field. <laughs> I remember this. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. So we had so uh Kyle, so Pagan got a hold of both of those guys actually, and he put them <laughs> on his podcast at the same time. And he didn't he didn't tell we actually had an editorial discussion about this because um he's like, Hey, I'm gonna get the phone thrower and then I'm gonna get the Mets fan on, but I'm not gonna tell him. <laughs> I was like, well, I was like, I don't know, because the Mets fan was like good. And he was like, you know, being fair with us. And he answered some phone calls or whatever. I'm like, don't spring something on him if you don't think he's going to be comfortable with it. And he's like, no, I think he'll be OK with it. So, yeah, we were talking to the Philly phone thrower. And then it's like, oh, we got a surprise for you. It's like Oprah Winfrey or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, here comes the Mets Mets scumbag fan is on the thing now. But it was it was hilarious, you know, but it just um, it's weird, too, because like. Uh, Matt probably knows this, but like the Phillies and the and the Mets don't pl- don't play until May, mm-hmm. you know, which is weird because I know they're doing the um because the schedule is a little different this year, but it just yeah. feels strange that there's so much hype for for both teams going into this year, and it's like gotta wait two months before they even, <laughs> before they even play their first series, you know? It's a, yeah, because like similarly, I don't think the Yankees play the Red Sox until July next year. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah, yeah, but at the same time, like people are. are are like crying about the loss of divisional play but now that there's universal dh that doesn't make sense anymore all teams are going to play each other it's going to be fun and better for the game mm. the, the phillies come to yankee stadium before the red sox come to yankee stadium this year hmm. yeah i would rather just i don't know if this is popular or not but i would rather just the northeast teams be in their own cluster you know in whatever with the al and the nl i know they got divided up somehow but i would love to, to have a division where it was Sox, Mets, Yankees, Phillies, you know, uh, I don't be, care. I don't care about the Marlins. What do I care about the Marlins, you know? So <laughs> I know it's probably not realistic because then you'd have a division with like, I don't know, the Marlins and the Rays and, you know, Atlanta or something. Would anybody care about that? I guess not. But I, I don't know. It's just I wish I wish the Phillies played the Yankees more. I wish they played the Red Sox more. Yeah, just marquee teams. But you want to play the play games against the best teams that there are. Yeah. And who cares about the Marlins? Seriously, <laughs> it, it, it's the Marlins. Yeah, I know, and the Phillies always struggle with them too for some reason. Oh, dude! Like in the COVID season, the Yankees had such a heart that they like barely got past the Marlins. Yeah, it was infuriating. Yeah, yeah. They they would just like they would they would take like two or three from the Mets, and then they take like two or three from you know they go out to like the Dodgers, and they take like three or four from them, and then they come home and they lose two in a row to the Mets or something. It was like like clockwork. You know, you probably could have. Made yourself a millionaire if you if you're gambling off that pattern, you know. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't uh, if, it, so. if you want to make some easy money, yeah, maybe this has already happened. Bet money on Alec getting not only getting a Trey Turner shirt. I'm going to call him out even further, dude. At some point next season, you're going to cut your hair and shave the beard so you look like Trey Turner. No, no, the beard. Oh shit, beard and hair stays, man. <laughs> the jersey for sure is happening. I can't decide if I want to go with the powder blue or I, I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion amongst Phillies fans, but I really dig the maroon jerseys. 
Mm. So I so I'm I'm thinking like, either the, like the pin the pinstripe maroon. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think I think that's the one I'm thinking of. They, uh, I think yeah, they that, that, they that had, like, was... the pinstripe one and then a solid one. Well, the, the well the pinstripe maroon is the one from like the '80s. Yeah, yeah, I think that's. Yeah. The one. Well, the Phillies wore powder blue, I think, in the one game in the World Series, and uh, got no. That was like their. That that was like the yeah 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 exactly. That was their. (laughs) That was like their primary when they played the Astros, I think, in like the nineteen eighty NLCS. I want to say, and those Houston jerseys were badass back then too. You know, like like the rainbow jerseys, multicolored. Yeah, you know, but I mean, it's just everything's just too dull in MLB these days. I think that goes like hand in hand with what I was saying about Victus. You know, like. It just feels like you can modernize a lot of these things without like losing anything. I don't know. I look at the NBA and like the way that the NBA is really caught on with a younger generation. It's like hip and it's like in or whatever. And I used to go to these games as a credentialed Sixers reporter and like the media and like uh, the TV people would be wearing like Jordans yeah. or whatever, you know, but it was like, cool. It wasn't seen as like irreverent or whatever i don't know like you were just like allowed to have personality i don't know i think mlb is just missing a little bit of personality you know and like hockey is kind of getting a little bit better with that um i don't watch a lot of nba but like especially with hockey you know they they do the posts of pregame the players walking in with their different you know suits and outfits on yeah and of itself is like a cool personality highlight for the individual player uh the nhl is trying to do it with like more alternate alternate jerseys and stuff like that so mm-hmm. um but the issue is like like sometimes with the nhl and i feel like baseball would struggle with this is like there's too many hits and misses with it like you're gonna get like in one organization do a really good job with it and then five organizations just completely shit the bed and yeah. it's just like oh you guys didn't really change anything and you played it safe and you know baseball yeah baseball struggling a little bit to get into that more modern exciting era because anytime we have a really exciting player like harper or acuna and what have you like people want to shit on them and be like you know they're toxic they're they're bad for the game i haven't heard too many people shitting on acuna though oh i i'm pretty sure there's been a lot of people shitting on acuna but yeah. Well, this version, I know I, this would have been a better example a couple of years ago. Not not this version of Fernando Tatis Jr. But I remember, you know, he came out like two years ago and basically just poo pooed all over the unwritten rules of the game. Oh yeah. You know? And I can't remember exactly what the situation was. I think he. It's like a three zero pitch grand slam. Is I that think. what it was? Is that what it was? Yeah. I think it's during the COVID season. I think if I'm thinking the yeah. thing that you're. Thinking. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Is that, I remember. Yeah, yeah I remember. Re- I remember seeing his reaction to that and writing a column off of it. And I was just like, you know what? Like, I get it. This dude's like different. He wants to do his own thing. He's going to kind of go against the grain. And like, I don't know. It seemed like refreshing, I guess, because just seemed to be like, you know, deviating from the the typical path at that point, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of a shame because you have guys like Tatis Jr. Guys like Tim Anderson who kind of add their own sort of swagger and flair to the game. And then guys look for reasons like, like you said to shit all over them. And yeah. then all of a sudden, oh, Tatis turns out he's kind of like a spoiled brat. Uh, Tim Anderson, oh, uh, he's married, but he's got two very public side pieces and, and has kids with one of them. And yeah. so then and so then like it's like, yeah, you, yeah, like, yeah, it's like never meet your heroes. But they just kind of hope that what every once in a while, like once every five or so years, you're going to have that Harper that Machado who just has that flashy style and it just lands. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the other great thing about it too, and like we kind of rediscovered this during the the playoff run, was that baseball for a site like like ours at least just creates more moments than any other sport. More little quirky, viral, easy, short post moments. You know, I mean, I remember after one game, um, it was the Reese Hoskins bat spike. Where he hit the home run and threw the bat mm-hmm. down. There's this lady in the front row who was just looking at her phone the entire time. You know, <laughs> oh, so come just, on. We just like, do we, you know, we took a picture, we took a screenshot of the TV. I think I literally held my phone up to the TV and took a picture of it and circled her in like yellow or whatever. And it was like, what the yeah. hell is this lady? It's like the one of the greatest playoff moments of all time in, in Philly's history. And she's just staring at her phone. We were having like all kinds of fun, you know, of, irreverent jokes about it you know she's probably like a the actually we found out that her husband is like a rich doctor in new jersey or something and she was probably just along for the ride you know yeah oh uh, yeah so we gave her we gave her the nickname of botox wife which may be rude but i don't know we, we kept calling her botox we kept calling her un, uninterested botox wife for the rest of the <laughs> series but you just like it, it was just like you know like chock full of that kind of stuff i mean it was like you know, it's just the, the the pace of the game and like the different people you look at and stuff. It's like perfect. It was perfect for for the for the stuff we were doing. You know, yeah. Hopefully I mean, we can I, do it again. Yeah, I mean, God, you just reminded me. I w- I was in the stands at Yankee Stadium for when Judge hit number sixty. Yeah, and it's it's the ninth inning. The Yankees are trying to mount a comeback against the goddamn Pirates of all teams. And sure enough, he hits this home run, which in the grand scheme of the game was meaningless. It like ta- it like tacked one the Yankees came one run closer after being down like five or whatever and then sure enough everyone else is glued to watching history and then sure enough there's two rows in front of us people are just chit-chatting away about nothing and not even paying attention yeah yeah like not even it's crazy how happening. it just yeah we did a lot of stuff um a couple years ago when they when they changed the rules and they they brought the netting up yeah you know? um because I think it was after the woman was hit by the foul ball and was was injured pretty badly you know Mm-hmm. He, had a lot, he had this very interesting kind of, I don't know if you guys saw this up there, but in Philly, like a lot of the, like we got these responses to our stories, like, well, you know, if these people would just pay attention during the game and I, you know, sitting there thinking like, well, I mean, yeah, even, even the people who are like paying attention to the, the, the most, like you're not staring at the pitcher of the plate, the entire game. I mean, like you look around, you look off to the side, you're talking to your friend, you're doing whatever you know like plus not, if somebody, not crashed, somebody you're, you're, you're asking someone to have perfect reaction time to a wall that be, could be coming at them at upwards of 110 miles per hour yeah, even if you're paying attention and you're like you were a high school athlete or something you may not be able to yeah. get out of the way or something you know but that was just interesting to watch like the push push back against uh what to me seemed like a pretty simple safety measure but what, what do i know you know so um yeah All i right, think well, i think it's interesting though I don't, I don't know i don't know if you have a take on this josh but like um baseball just does so well in the northeast you know um and then you go to other markets and it's like people could, couldn't be bothered you know but philly new york boston like the big northeastern markets it's i think honestly it's because baseball is still such a localized sport and how like the heartbeat of especially with the yankees and the mets the like first off the heartbeat of the dodgers and the giants still beats in the city 100 percent, mm-hmm. and then like Maybe it's recency bias, but like the Mets, they're like we're not that far removed from the Subway Series or the the bad guys in 1986. Mm. On the on the Yankees end, like the heart, like the pulse of Mantle, Ruth, Garrick, like that whole old guard is still here. Yeah, like like I'm I never watched him play a single day in my life. I can say my favorite Yankee of all time is probably Yogi Berra. 
just because of all the stories he has attached to him. And like I say, I say to people all the time, baseball moves the slowest. It has the best stories. Yeah. Yeah. Like, look, look, look across all sports. Like you're not going to find any more, any sport with funnier stories than in baseball. No. And it's funny too. I don't know. I imagine it was probably the same in New York. You guys would know, but uh, you know, couple years ago you know everybody would do these every time you turn on the radio they'd have these like kind of dramatic discussions about like is baseball dying or is the sport like falling up you know it's like they would they would cite these like national ratings you know like sunday night baseball or whatever and like okay so maybe like the dude who lives in atlanta isn't tuning in to watch the Sox and the yankees on sunday night the same same time the same way that he would watch like the Packers versus the Bucks on Monday Night Football or something, right? But what we found yeah. in Philly uh, was that like the local ratings were still massive, mm-hmm. you know. So just because Philly's fans weren't watching like Dodgers Mets on Sunday Night Baseball didn't mean that they weren't tuning into the the Phils. So I, I imagine that was probably the same for you guys, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's strange because like I'll watch I'll watch like most national baseball games. Oh my god, my kid just woke up. Oh well, but anyway, so. But the, the point being, yeah, like numbers are going down because first off, no one in the industry could have accounted for so many people in the last 10 years cutting cable, right? Mm-hmm. But even still, like there's that fandom where you know, okay, there's that pitcher on the team I want to watch. Like, oh, Max Scherzer's pitching on Sunday night. I want to watch him pitch. And then, uh, oh, Bryce Harper. I want to watch him play. It's strange because it's not that baseball's dipping in popularity. It's that all the revenue sharing and stuff – it's created this unique sense of parity so that at the start of the season, yeah, like it could be anybody's game. And now with expanded playoffs, you're going to see even more, more smaller market teams compete. And hopefully it leads to a rise in popularity because when the small market teams do well, the sport as a whole is going to do well. It's like baseball diversity. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it was interesting. Matt can speak to this, but we, um, you know, I guess last week, uh, we got together with James and looked at ESNY site traffic for, you know, going back to like April or whatever, since we started like reworking the site. Right. And we just kind of calculate, we went through like the top, I don't know what, like 50 or 75 stories or something like that. And we just, you know, logged because you know, we were looking for patterns like, Hey, what's working, what's not working. You know, which, what should we focus on? What should we not focus on? And we wrote it all out. Um, Matt was the stenographer for this exercise. And um, what, what what would you say, like upwards of probably like 70, 75 percent of like the best stuff on the site was all baseball stuff? Yeah, I was going to say probably about 75 percent, Yeah, I guess, too. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just I mean, it was all landing. The Mets stuff was landing. The Yankees stuff was landing. Hot stove. Aaron Judge. I mean, it was like fascinating to me because, again, I'm a Philly guy, you know, and, you know, as crappy as the Phillies were over the last 10 years to think that baseball would lead any website down here, down here was would, would be like crazy to, to think, you know, but then the World Series came around. I saw the site traffic for Crossing Broad and, you know, that I see what's working with ESNY right now. It's like all of these discussions are like, um, I, don't, I don't know, they just seem not rooted in anything. They seem like lazy I don't know, sports talk radio discussions. Like, is baseball too slow? You know, I'm like, well, the ratings still show there's a shit ton of people watching it. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, they may like, what's the yearly revenue at? It's, I feel like it's always around like $10 billion. And then they yeah. had that, um, 
what was that that sale of bam tech or whatever it was yeah each team got 30 million dollars off of that every single team got 30 million dollars so it's like <laughs> there's still plenty of money and they're talking about how like well like they're pay- paying these guys way too much it's like well everyone has this money that's essentially burning in their pocket it's just a matter of who's actually going to spend it or not yeah. there are teams like the a's and the pirates and at least for right now the orioles who are not spending it mm. and then there's a really small portion who are so i mean it's you know people want like the, the some kind of a salary cap or this or that or whatever it may be everyone thinks that there's something wrong with baseball baseball has a lot of work to do especially mm. with like marketing and stars and like going back to the conversation about um like the culture and the outfits and things like that like i think part of the thing that's that's the problem with baseball for that is that it's an everyday thing so it's like what at least like for football it's like okay once a week you go see what they're wearing as they're walking into the locker room yeah it's like you really want to see what bryce harper is what is wearing on like a wednesday night when he's about to go play the marlins but like during the playoffs like they showed like some of his outfits and like the chains that he had and stuff people ate that stuff up so it's like they need to like be able to thread that needle a little bit to be able to, you know, attract that younger audience without having to beat us over the head with it every single day. Yeah. I mean, Alec probably remembers like when Bryce Harper first signed here, like he would, you know, show up with like a gritty shirt yeah. or he'd have like Philly fanatic socks or something like that. Yeah. I'm like, I, I remember when he like broke out the, for the first time, uh, the Philly fanatic headband. Yeah. And I, at the time I was a coach and I was working uh, with kids and next thing you know, every single kid is wearing it. Yeah. And it's, it's like such a great thing. And, you know, you can ask any, any kid between the age of like eight and 15, like who's your favorite player on the Phillies? Your two options are going to be either Harper or like really JT. And so yeah. it, it's a good thing to have those icons that, that that new fans can center in on old fans can get behind but like yeah mlb it has a tendency of wanting to snuff that out it drives me insane it's like the only sport where it's actively trying to reduce offense just because it's the nature of the game right you know hitting is always going to be reactionary to, to the trends of pitching uh but yeah even for like the stars with the guys who can really take center stage on the national broadcast like you know, Aaron Judge is iconic because of his size and 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 stuff like that. And but then you got Bryce Harper, who's iconic for his personality. And then you got Mike Trout, who's not doing anything on the West Coast. It's there is an issue of like who to market and how to market them correctly because you know, out of the four big sports, you know, you got to say NBA is head and shoulders above everyone, and you know MLB is treading water slightly above the NHL and. You know, they got to find a way to keep making the, the excitement, you know, build. The Yankees are ser- are sincerely lacking in this department because if you look at their Instagram page and they'll, they'll show guys showing up to the stadium, everyone's dressed the same way. It's always like sweater and jeans, like T-shirt and jeans. Like no one's there's there's nothing there. It's like it's kind of, no beard rule. You got to get rid of no the, shit. No- <laughs> All right. Well, I, yeah. Get the no beard rule guy. Like. Kevin, Kevin, is that does Philly feel the same way that the Yankees no beard rule is so dumb? I've always felt that it's very dumb. You don't really hear a lot about that down here, though. I'm not sure why. I uh, say this is someone who literally cannot grow a beard. <laughs> I, w- I wish the Yankees had beards. I just would never. I think fundamentally, it's like 
right? Like, who gives a shit what you look like? You know, if I was a free agent, I would never play there because I'd be like, why do you care what I look like? You're not signing me because of the way I look. Yeah, especially as far as we've come in like 2022 with like body image and stuff like that. Seriously, it's like it's crazy yeah, to me. That say, like, you got Glaber Torres having neck tattoos and stuff, and like that, and then you know, rolled as Chapman with all of his tattoos. It's like, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Why can't you wear a fucking beard? Glaber looks good with a beard too, especially. Oh, they yeah, he's like, been like, playing uh, winter ball down in Venezuela. You, yeah. like, you want to make a surefire bet is whenever a guy leaves the Yankees, what's the over under in days when he he shows up with facial hair? To, exactly. Uh, it's like when I worked in television and the news anchors went on vacation, they would just immediately stop shaving, you know, and they come back <laughs> like a like a whatever. But I, it's just so I've always found it very dumb because to me, I don't know, maybe you know better than I do, Josh, but it always seemed like the explanation for why they have it is just because we've always done it. Right. Steinbrenner did it as a means of imposing discipline and like this winning culture. It's stupid. Yeah. There's, there's nothing, there is literally no tangible effect that it, that it has on anybody. So why should I, I don't don't It's the Yankee way. The other thing that bothers me, just like to wrap up that last thing I was talking about. Yeah. We got to wrap up the show too in a second. We're we're coming up on the hour. I'll make it quick. These guys always, you always read these articles about like, well, World Series ratings were down, you know, the third lowest or the fourth lowest or the second lowest. You can't compare the World Series ratings of now to when they were the, when 40 million people watched the World Series, you know, it's just not, it's not that era anymore. Baseball is still like number two right there with the NBA in terms of championship viewing, you know? So it's like the Super Bowl, then usually the World Series and the NBA championship right there yeah the yeah, NHL and MLS. yeah world world series and nba finals usually trade off year after year depending on who's in the nba finals yeah i think there's a lot of fake news that's written in there because people aren't really telling the full story you know it's like you, you can't yeah yes the phillies and the royals in 1980 did like 45 million people or whatever but it's just not nice. it's not 1980 anymore you know no nah. so, especially yeah. like i said less people have cable now yeah. All right. Well, this was a fun conversation, a good uh, last episode of 2022 for the Bleacher Creatures podcast. We're hopefully going to have some more guests on in the meantime. Kevin, Matt, thanks for coming on. It was great having you guys here. Uh, where can they find you on social media and uh, plug anything you want to plug right now? Uh, well, thanks for having me on. It was fun. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at mmusico8. And uh, I talk a lot about the Mets at elitesportsnewyork.com. Yeah, it's Kevin underscore Kincaid if you want to hear about just random Philly topics and the local soccer team. There you go. Real real last quick Philly thing. Uh, Pats or Genos? Neither. Uh, see? See? <laughs> you know, D'Alessandro's is overrated, but... I don't have a cheesesteak place. People can go to whatever cheesesteak place they want to. I don't even like cheesesteaks that much. Genos and Pats are just seen as like the tourist places, that's all. Yeah, of course. All right, folks. Well, have a Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa, Festivus, everything in between. See you guys next year.